What's up everybody and welcome to B2B Made Simple. If you're passionate about marketing, you're in the right place. Whether you're doing marketing for a brand new startup or a $100 million enterprise, you'll learn strategies that'll help you build a solid team, impact your pipeline, and look like an absolute rock star to upper management. Why? Because these guys are the pros. They're not pretending to know the industry, they're in the trenches on a daily basis. My name is Sam Moss. I'm the co-founder of One Click Agency. We build websites for B2B companies, and I'm also the co-host of this podcast. If your goal is to become the marketer everyone else looks up to, keep listening. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the B2B Made Simple podcast. Um, really excited about my guest today, Jim Holbin. He's the director of marketing at Code DX. Jim, it's awesome to have you here, man. Yeah, thanks for having me, Sam. Yeah. Um, before we jump into the agenda, I always like to hear a little bit about um, the, your marketing team and kind of what got you to where you are uh, at Code DX. Give us a minute or two of that. Yeah, so um, Code DX, we're still a seed stage company, so still pretty young. So I'm basically uh, running a marketing team of myself plus a group of great contractors we have. Mm -hmm. um, so it's an exciting time, right? I mean, um, I'm responsible for all the strategy and also I get my hands dirty a little bit. So it's really a nice kind of combination of things and it's, it's what I like to do. So um, basically a one-man team with a lot of you know freelance support. Yeah, that's cool. So I, I want to touch on that because we have um, companies of all sizes here on the podcast from startup to enterprise. I mean, a very broad spectrum and range. Um, what is it like being a one-man team? Is it is it kind of daunting? Is it kind of freeing because you don't have to manage the people under you? Can you elaborate on that a bit? Yeah, kind of all the above, right? So mm -hmm. um, it's it's nice because like you know we obviously do strategy and planning, and then I actually kind of see that through through execution. Now I, I do have people who help out with a lot of things like you know writing content, um, kind of doing a lot of the marketing admin stuff, helping out with segmentation and campaign building and stuff. But at the end of the day, you know, I'm still responsible for going through and approving all that stuff. And, mm -hmm. you know, I um, I still do a lot of the writing myself. I like copywriting and I think it's the most critical thing you can do. So I, I end up doing a lot of that myself. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it's good. Right. And I've worked both in large enterprises and startups. And, you know, once I kind of got the startup bug, like I kind of stuck with it. And, you know, that's kind of what I do now. So, um, yeah, I mean, it works for me. It's it's definitely not for everybody, but it's something I like to do. Mm -hmm. um, when you say copywriting, I'm curious, what's on, on your plate? Are you talking website copy? Is it content or SEO content? What does that look like? Yeah. So, um, CodeX is a somewhat technical product and I'm not, I don't come from that, that world. I don't come from like the mm -hmm. software technology world. So like I have someone who does a lot of the technical writing, like white papers and blogs and eBooks and all that good stuff. But when it comes to like writing email copy and writing web copy and, um, ad copy and landing page copy and stuff like that. I still like doing that. Um, I like being in control of it. And I think like, you know, if you're strategizing, you have a vision, you know, just kind of see it through at least, at least now. And so, so that works for me. Um, you know, I, I take like a lot of the technical pieces that our technical writers give to me and I kind of find ways to weave, weave it into our copy and stuff like that. But I still handle, you know, um, most of the, let's say more outbound copy. Mm -hmm. I think, a thought that goes through a lot of uh, marketers at a startup is what do we keep in-house on, on my plate 
as a, a smaller team and what do we outsource? So is copywriting pretty much all that you do and then you have a team of outsourcers or are there other things? Um, obviously you do the planning um, and sort of the uh, directing of what needs to be done. Um, but is there anything else that you can encourage people? Hey, you can handle this in-house. Yeah, so um, things that are our primary drivers of revenue. I still like to handle. So like, you know, mm -hmm. anything that I think is going to lead to revenue or pipeline, like I'll handle. So that that's like, you know, like the email copy, landing page copy, stuff that really yeah. drives people in through the funnel. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, some channels I'll outsource like social media and stuff like that. And, um, SEO, like, you know, I've done it, I can do it, but like, that's something where, you know, kind of takes like a commitment from someone doing it long-term. So we outsource that as well. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, I could I could have brought in a couple people full time, but I still like kind of having our options open. And I think I'll allude to that further as we kind of talk about planning and cool. short versus long term and, and stuff like that. But I like to kind of have flexibility on the team. So mm -hmm. that's super interesting. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. So we do have an agenda uh, mostly revolving around planning. And I think it ties in nicely. to. It's really windy in my house and I have a door open. <laughs> I think a pot just flew off. No worries, man. <laughs> uh, never had that happen before. Anyway, um, talking about planning. So tell us about what you do in regards to that. Are you working closely with your CEO? Do they give you the freedom? Um, how do you tackle that? Yeah, so I work closely with our CEO, our SVP of sales, and our product team um, to kind of figure out what what we need to do, right? Like, you know, and at the end of the day, like leading marketing um, at this size company, it, it comes down to revenue. So I work really closely with our with our sales leader to make sure that, you know, almost everything we're doing in marketing has has some tie to revenue, right? Some of it direct, um, some of it more indirect, like brand awareness and market saturation, making sure we're getting out to the market enough, right? Like some of those things you can't pinpoint and say, oh, this has a tangible ROI, but you know, you can kind of, you can kind of make some assumptions, right, based on what's going on. So yeah. um, I work really closely with him. And then, you know, obviously with the product team as the product evolves and making sure I'm in, involved in product roadmap and, and stuff like that. So we kind of know what's coming down the pipe. Mm -hmm. um, one thing you're, you're kind of against and you don't do or you try not to write it in pen. Instead, you write it with a pencil so it can be easily altered and, and moved around is long-term planning. Um, why yeah. is some, why is that something you guys avoid and why would you say that it should be avoided um, from a small marketing team to even a bigger one? Yeah. So when, when you work at a startup, you kind of have a gift, right? And that is you, you have freedom and flexibility that you don't have kind of at a, a much larger enterprise. So like mm -hmm. what I'm talking about, like you can do this at Apple, right? It wouldn't work. There's too many, yeah. you know, there's too many red lines. There's too much red tape, things like that. But at a startup, you know, you kind of have this this gift of flexibility, right? And able to do different things and and try and see what works and iterate based on kind of what you're seeing and do it in real time, right? So, you know, if you're running an ad campaign, like test it for a week or two, if it's not working, you know, you can quickly move off of it and do something else. So when I say like planning and pencil, it's, you know, we, we have plans, like we have things that are in the calendar to do, but like it's in a pencil, you can just erase it and, and plug mm -hmm. something else in if, if what you're doing is not working. So, um, it works for us. It works at, at this size company. Um, I think it can work at, you know, as we scale, but uh, you know, if you're a huge, huge, massive enterprise, it, it mm -hmm. probably wouldn't work the same. It's, it's a lot harder to turn the, sh or steer the ship, uh, a 180 when it's a massive, uh, enterprise. I see what you mean there. Yeah. Um, so when it comes to yearly calendars, 
that's something you guys don't do then? So we'll obviously plug in things at certain points, right? Like, you know, content based around our roadmap and based around holidays and other milestones and things like that. We'll have stuff in the plan. Um, but, you know, when it comes to, you know, I think short term planning is more is more revenue driven. Right. So, like, you know, you can have longer term stuff in terms of, you know, I want to hit these keywords throughout the year for SEO. Right. Or I, I want to do this many pieces of content to make sure that we're you know sucking air out of the room and, and kind of taking over from our competitors. But like when it comes to driving revenue, those are more short term things, because, you know, if we are talking to customers or prospects and we're seeing, oh, you know what, like this messaging is falling flat or if we're not getting enough meetings and, and stuff like that, we, we have to be agile enough to shift kind of at a moment's notice. And so it, it takes communication, right? You have to have uh, a really good relationship with your sales team um, to make sure you're getting that feedback and that information, right? And so um, if, if the people on the ground are telling you, hey, you know, this isn't working, then, you mm -hmm. know, good marketing people need to, need to be able to shift, right? And listen to that. So that's what we try and do here. Um, yeah. And it's, it's fun at this level because when you're this small, you know, pre-series A, I'm saying like, you know, you, you know, you know what your product does, you know who you are, but you don't know kind of where it's going to end up, right? You don't know mm -hmm. how big your TAM can get. So you got to test different things. You have your, you know, you have your core, your core competency here, but then how do you expand that, right? How do you in concentric circles kind of expand that out? And that's where you can test different stuff. So that's kind of the process we're in now. Mm -hmm. um, when it comes to deciding or analyzing something that you think isn't working anymore and needs to be eliminated. Um, can you walk me through that process as to how you identify something that needs to go or it's not quite working, but you're going to stick it out a little bit longer? Where's the line? Yeah. So I think it depends on, on how heavy the investment is. Like, so we, uh, you know, when I joined CodeDX about a year ago, we want to do kind of create a new category. And, um, you know, obviously something like that takes a long period of time and you're not going to necessarily see immediate traction when you're trying to coin a new industry term. Right. And, you know, mm -hmm. there's probably not much search traffic on it and, you know, you might not see much, uh, tangibly for a while, but, you know, over time, you know, from talking to analysts from kind of doing the, the, the behind the scenes work, like, you know, you start to see, oh, you know, this is picking up a little bit. Let's keep it going a little longer. Right. Even if like the sales team is saying, you know what, like we're not seeing much traction with this term. If you want to create a category, you got to kind of stick that out. Now, if we're talking about, you know, ad copy or, you know, like a headline or something like that, if that's not working, mm -hmm. you know, pretty quickly we can say, all right, you know, after a week or two of running ads, if, you know, if the click, click through rate is, is like half of what it is for higher performing, uh, copy, then, you know, you're, you're probably better off just cutting it out. Right. Mm -hmm. So kind of yeah. really depends. Yeah. So you see something that's AB tested and you can pretty much see what's going on there pretty quickly, but you post on LinkedIn for two weeks and decide, Oh, well, we're not getting any organic traction when you should be doing it for six months to a year. That's what you mean. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So okay. like, you know, um, when I first started at, at code DX, like last year, our goal was our content goal was to just produce as much as we could. Right against mm -hmm. our keywords to, to really build organic traffic. You know, we didn't have, we didn't have a huge ad budget, so we had to build organic traffic. And so we did a really good job at just producing stuff that would get out to the market, you know, against our keywords and, you know, our organic traffic, you know, really surged and, you know, like 85% of our traffic, uh, in 2020 was, was organic. Right. Um, 
and and that and now you own that right so but but this year you know we're trying to be a little more campaign driven and the content that we're we're building is stuff that the sales team is going to use in their email playbooks or you know something that we can use with um you know with uh for webinars and other things right and we can kind of pull stuff out of there so it, it's a little bit of a different strategy this year because we're growing up a little bit um but you know when it comes to like actually penciling things in like month over month you know we'll we'll have a plan but you know if this month it didn't work and we were going to you know kind of double down on that plan next month like we we may not do that right and you want to kind of mm -hmm. have just the flexibility to to move off of things that aren't working yeah um so we covered long term planning what does short term planning look look like for you guys yeah so um the the first week of so we basically kind of work a month behind right or a month a month ahead or a month behind whatever so like in in march we're planning for april right so i'll meet yeah. with our with our technical content team of uh, freelancers we have and we'll kind of set up everything for that for that following month right and we do that we do that every month so over the course of the month we're kind of tracking metrics we're kind of seeing hey you know this is working this isn't you know um you know this persona seems to be uh performing better than we thought it would because again we're, we're trying to expand that TAM slowly but surely, right? And kind of grow it out. And, mm -hmm. you know, maybe we'll see something that's working that we didn't expect or and vice versa. We, we thought we had a great idea that, you know, didn't really materialize. And we have to be comfortable saying, all right, you know what, let's, let's adjust next month's calendar to kind of be more conducive with, with what's working, right? And optimize what's working. So I think, you know, if, if we see something that's going really well, well, maybe next month we'll double down on that, right? And we'll keep, we'll mm -hmm. keep pushing as far as we can on it. So, the short-term planning, I think, ties is is tied very closely to pipeline and and eventually revenue, right? Whereas longer-term planning, if you want to write something in pen, make it more like the longer-term strategic brand awareness stuff, and keep the the short-term revenue-driven stuff in in pencil, so you can switch it out. Mm -hmm. um, so short-term for you guys is month to month. Long-term mm -hmm. is is the year it's in pencil. Do you guys do anything? quarterly or is it pretty much you focus on the month to month? Yeah. So quarterly, you know, um, at the, obviously, you know, at the end of, at the end of every quarter, we have kind of a big review and we see, you know, where we ended up in terms of revenue and where, what our pipeline looks like in future quarters, right? Pipeline, we usually look, uh, between 12 and, and 18 months out, even just kind of see how it's, how it's starting to develop. Cause we have a, you know, our sales cycle could be 12 to, to 18 months, really. So you got to kind of start building that out um, ahead of time. So <clears throat> um, we'll, we'll make changes based on kind of quarterly results. But again, we're so close to revenue and we're so close to pipeline. We have our fingers so close to the pulse. So really month to month, we kind of know what to expect. So yeah, the quarter kind of like validates things to a certain extent, right? Or, you know, it might if we've kind of been like flip-flopping on something and not sure like the quarter, like the quarterly review might kind of push us along. Mm -hmm. Um, but really still it's, it's mostly month to month. Um, what would be one thing you would say to uh, a marketing team to keep a flexible approach to their planning initiatives? Um, and even their campaigns, you guys do a great job at it. Uh, you pencil things in what's the number one thing you would tell them. So, um, I would probably say just to keep your pulse as close to pipeline as, as possible, right? Like I think at the end of the day, like you know, for it to be defined as a campaign, it needs to have an end result, right? And campaigns can either have a tangible or somewhat intangible result, right? If you say, you know, I'm working on a campaign of the course of the next 12 months to grow our uh, site visits by, you know, 30%, right? You know, that's one thing. But if you're 
you're talking about, you know, building pipeline, um, my, I would encourage people to look at it kind of on a monthly basis and really, uh, really not much longer because it can kind of uh, pipeline is, is something where you need the ball kind of rolling down the hill, right? Like mm-hmm. month over month, you need to keep adding on to it. And kind of every month you lose, like that affects things monthly down the line. It's like a domino effect, right? So, sure. um, I would encourage if possible, to look at it kind of on a monthly basis, but that's really going to depend on the size of, uh, of the company. Right. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, kind of what, what level of, um, well, I guess what level of involvement you have in kind of, uh, you know, metrics and things like that. So if you're, if you're kind of an individual contributor at a fortune 500 company, see what you can do in your little niche, right? Like it might not be as, as big as, you know, changing the overarching messaging strategy, but, you know, see if you can have a hand in changing campaigns a little bit, or if you can at least report back to your manager that, you know, oh, you know, this isn't performing as well. And, you know, kind of make sure you're, you're reporting up the chain. But if you have the ability to kind of um, control messaging um, and, you know, you're in charge of pipeline and marketing, then I would encourage you to look at things monthly. Mm, I love that. Um, I want to take a different direction here. We've, we haven't done this before, but I want to give it a try um, just to mix things okay. up. Um, I love talking about planning. I love what you said there. That's awesome. Um, I want to reverse role. So we're closing out the podcast here and I want to see if you have a question that I can answer for you um, and try this out just to mix it up. Normally we do the interview where it's just, I'll interview uh, a guest, but trying to spice it up a little bit. So is there anything that comes to mind for you? Yeah. Is, is this the first interview you've done where you have a dishwasher beeping throughout the whole thing in the background? <laughs> You know, maybe, but, um, you, you'd be surprised how many things happen in the background of my podcast (laughs) work, work from home life. Right, man. I know. I I don't even notice it anymore. Um, one time, one time I got back from the vet with my dog and he hates the vet and he got so worked up that he was breathing extremely heavy, like 10 feet from me. You could hear the entire podcast. I'm like, I don't know what to do. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah. People are used to this stuff now anyway. Right. It's like second nature. Um, absolutely. So I mean, uh, I'd love to get your, your thoughts on some stuff, you know, related to website. I know that's really mm-hmm. your, your core competency. So, um, you know, at, at a company like our size, how, how often would you encourage us to kind of change at least, you know, the header of the website or, or homepage copy and stuff like that and optimization around, you know, um, homepage and product page and stuff like that, you know, things that you could kind of change quickly if you wanted to, um, what are your thoughts on that? <clears throat> um, it really depends on the buyer persona. So you said you're really identifying different ones as you go along. So as that evolves, obviously that that would need to change. So if you have a different ICP, that's something that you can quickly change on the website, go for it. Um, I think as often as you feel like you need to, I don't think there's any harm in that. Unless you come across a headline that you know is performing really well, you can tell that people are scrolling, they're, you're on hot jar and you see they're reading it and they're engaging with it. Maybe you leave it for a little bit longer, but it should be evolving with your ICPs, your customer personas. Um, and don't be afraid to change that. I mean, as a director of marketing, you can hop in there and make those changes without a full website redesign or overhaul. Um, I don't really think there's anything wrong with that at all. Yeah, it's interesting. And, you know, we do have we do have like a couple of core personas. Right. And when I talk about personas changing, those are kind of the ones more in the peripheral where, you know, we're trying to expand the TAM. We're trying to see what works mm-hmm. with a couple of various personas. We have the core ones, like in terms of web personalization and stuff like that for, for smaller companies, how, 
like how important do you think that is versus just kind of having a really good core message on the site for that like key persona versus you know really starting to think about web personalization for a variety of them so give me an example of what you mean by web personas like personalization you mean for all those different personas so they feel they actually came to the right website yeah. So like, you know, if we, if we have a healthcare persona, right. Versus, you know, just versus a financial persona, you know, should mm -hmm. we be at our size, should we be thinking that way? Or should we just be thinking about just that one core message that kind of applies across the board to, to the key personas? Um, I saw a really good example of this a while ago. They have that key persona, the, the main message throughout the homepage of the website. And then they had a section that said, um, in, not industries we serve. They said it a little bit more creative than that or what this will work for or industries or people this will work for because they were so industry agnostic. Um, so they had so many customer personas that could go through that website and connect and there was no way they could have created copy for all of that. So they just had a section that mentioned that. Um, they said, we're going to work, we work for Fortune 500 companies, um, nonprofits, healthcare industry, and they pretty much serviced all of them but that was proof and it kind of included me when i was looking at their website knowing oh okay they'll service this is a good thing for me as well as well as all these under other industries because there comes a point when you just can't include it all um, but you feel like you need to put it somewhere and that would be my suggestion yeah and then uh well, one more question i guess this might be more a ux ui question but i'm starting to see i'm starting to like more of these websites where the home page is kind of just there's a lot more white space. There's not the traditional header, like the background mm -hmm. is kind of white. And it's, I, I would kind of compare it to more as like the new version of a sales letter, right? The homepage, it just kind of tells you everything you need to know right there um, versus kind of having to click around. And I think people historically used to like to have a big website because they thought it performs better for SEO, right? But I'm starting to see leaner kind of, I'd say longer form homepages and things like that. What, what What's your take on, on web design and kind of where that's going. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, my philosophy is the less they have to click around to find what they need, the better. So if you can create a sales funnel right on the homepage, then that's great. If they can find the information there, that's great. And the way that people are searching uh, for products these days, I mean, they already know about the company probably 90% of the way. So they're almost there. They're just coming to the website to finalize the deal, legitimize and see if you're a real company that can help them because you've been killing it at content, because you're probably killing it at SEO, because you're killing it on social media, you already have them so close to the end. You don't need this massive website to try and convert them. They're pretty much 90% converted. Your website just has to push them over the edge. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, hopefully that helps you. I appreciate you. Uh, being For sure. willing to kind of yeah. reverse the roles. Maybe we'll try this. I on like a couple being other the guinea pig. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully it worked out. <laughs> yeah. Well, you did a good job. Um, cool. I like that. Um, I appreciate you hopping on and talking about planning today. I think this was cool. Um, I'm glad that you told me in the beginning about like what you have going on because it kind of dictated the, the way we went with the agenda. So I really appreciate cool. that. Um, before we go, tell us about code DX. What, what exactly is it? Yeah. So, uh, let's see how I can explain this in a way that marketing people understand. Yeah. Uh, CodeDX <laughs> is like, um, it, it basically takes a bunch of your software security tools, like your testing mm -hmm. tools and it uh, aggregates and correlates and normalizes all the data and kind of spits it all out um, in a way that people can kind of understand everything from one centralized point. So it's kind of like a, it's an aggregation in, in, in results tool kind of more than anything else. So, 
there's a lot that kind of goes behind it, but I'm trying to keep it as high level as possible for, <laughs> for this audience. Um, so yeah, that, that's, that's basically what it does. Cool. Well, Jim, yeah. appreciate you joining me for a podcast. It's been great having you here and uh, appreciate you hopping on, man. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Sam.